I really want it to be 80s newscaster music. This show is not allied with any sect, denomination, political entity, organization, or institution. Does not engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any cause. Neither do we. We are not affiliated with Al-Anon or any other 12-step program. The opinions expressed here are strictly of the person who gave them. Please take what you like and leave the rest. Hi, I'm Corey. Hi, Corey. Hi, I'm Claire. Hi, Claire. And this is Crosstalk. This is Crosstalk. We kind of took a bit of a longer pause because people had other lives. Um... But we, we did just uh, have one recently, and now we have another amazing crosstalk pod. So I'm very excited to be back with you, although I have not seen you physically for some Too time. Um, <clears throat> I did get my first vaccine dose on Friday, which I'm very excited about. Um, but other than that, I had my wisdom teeth removed, and I've been on narcotic painkillers because it was one of the most painful things I've ever done, and I've had major surgery. And, um, yeah, I've been kind of out of the Al-Anon bubble. In fact, I went to my first meeting today in like two weeks. Um, and I have to say, I don't know if it's really been affecting me. You know, I don't know if I need it anymore. I think I'm good. You always thought you were recovered. Yeah. This, this is us uh, getting current also, just to, just to say, we're just le- leapt in. I know. Fell, I didn't say let's pushed. get current. You just, you just literally like one step sideways fell into the pool. It could be <clears> that <throat> I wanted to not uh, pause and take time because I'm not doing my program as much as I should. I think that's what it is. You've lost yeah. all of your, yeah. uh, how many years? Eight years? Seven I mean, years. Yes. No, I think it was Three, eight. My birthday was, my birthday was last Sorry. month actually. I know. My eighth birthday. Um, I have a good friend in this program whose partner died like a week before I went to my first meeting and they showed up to the meeting and shared. And I, it was my very first meeting. I was like, how is this person in a meeting room? And that was like my first, and they were quite, uh, quite <laughs> erudite and together. And I was like, wow, this is quite a program if you just lose your partner. And then, but it's interesting because I always know that I can check with that person to remember sure. when my birthday is because they have a death anniversary. Um, but that's kind of a drag. Um, other than that, life is great, Claire. Um, you know, I've moved to my, I've moved back to California for the summer to my place here. And I'm very excited about that, but I'm loving Portland. I'm loving my mm. work. Work is everything I've always wanted it to be. Um, and I'm so excited about that. And I really just have no complaints at all. I mean, I'm sure I'll come wow. up with some and I'll get back to you on it, but. I don't doubt you'll find some for me. But I think I'm I think I'm good. So how are you? I'm good. I mean that was all that there you go. There's three minutes. Um <laughs> minus the twenty seconds from the minus intro. The tw- yes. Minus the intro, yeah. That's okay. You don't always have to take the full three minute Listen, your when share. you're Just as saying. put together and recovered as I am, you don't need the full time. You don't need the full time, no. right? That's like when I just want to say, like, I just love this program and this is just a plug for this program. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, do I need to do that? Um, I guess sometimes I try and let HP just come through if I need to speak or not. But wow. Anyways, um, how am I currently? Um, life is... Uh, 
the paradox, mystery, and awe exists. It really I thought does. you were going to say life is a mystery. Everyone must stand alone, but I appreciate that I too. I was trying to think of other different lyrics. Many, So many went through my head that I couldn't pick one. And so then I just went with what I was, what was Alan on But then there was like, life is a highway. All of them were coming or, out. Or, oh, life, me. it's bigger, bigger than me. And you are not me. Yeah. I don't have another one. But <laughs> so not if so I many. do at any but point I, during the episode, I'll just interrupt whoever's speaking and spit it out. Um, Thanks for being of service in that way. You're welcome. So yeah, I'm pretty worn. I've been pretty worn out lately, but, but similar to what you were saying, really loving um, my earning and the, the, I've been working for myself now and partnered, have a, have a business partner and just been really, um, fuck programs just the shit and i love when i get to bring it into all areas of all of my affairs right like i was just like i'm having these really easy business what are business meetings like with Mm -hmm. my partner and my business partner and they're just easy they just flow they're easy you know and i and i say things like i'd really love to know what we're going to talk about today you know and i think about that and i'm like i've learned that in other areas and other um professions i've been in and things like that and like having an agenda and yada 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 and also like when i think about going to a business meeting it's like somebody said hey i want to talk about this next week in two weeks like nothing's urgent you know and we were really going to have one this weekend and we were both wiped. And I was just like, Hey, what if we don't have our business meeting? Is there anything urgent? And we were both like, no, there's nothing urgent here. Like let's postpone it. And, um, we've been having these like post job kind of like recaps that feels really good. Just like, you know, we're working out like how we work together a little bit, but overall, like I just have a great time. You know, I listen to music I want to listen to at work and play it and like get to do my art and like, am just feeling good and really fucking tired. Um, but good. And I'm going to Joshua tree next week. Cause I'm just going to work for two days and then go to Joshua tree for a couple days and Welcome camp to freelancing. <laughs> well, I did do this for like 10 years. I know, but, you know, but it was I without mean, program. I mean, it was so there. different. Yes. Yes. And welcome to freelancing, like with fucking program, right? Mm-hmm. Like years of program. This is so many minutes now, but, um, you know, that's it. It's, it's true. Yeah. I get to do it so differently today. And yeah, I'm just like squishy. feel really squishy today. Mm. feel really sensitive and squishy today. Mm. I'll do my best to, uh, okay. Don't be an asshole to me. To today. squish you. Um, <laughs> well, what it sounds like, watch this trend, listen to this transition, everybody at home. Okay, Sounds I'm ready. Like Have you ready? You Are you ready for the transition? Okay, no. hold on, hold on. I know the topic, so I'm have a lot of uh, high. So the bar is high. I'm ready though. I know, I think it's but you know. Good. Okay, so here we go. Okay. So it sounds like we're both doing so well because we both have self esteem. Yeah, I and, would say that's true for me. And that's the topic of the show today. No. Yes. Wow. Um. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's probably the best transition we've ever done. Um, so we, it's about self-esteem today because we have a wonderful guest here who to me was like the, one of the first Al-Anon, what I, like we call them Al-Anon rock stars in LA, the people who you're like, oh, these are the like, who says, who's saying lots of people say that. Okay. You're a group of humans. My group of people, they're like, and I remember once, like (laughs) one of my friends, one of my friends was like, 
you know, you don't know if it's going to, if you're going to be one of those Alan on rock stars. Um, but anyway, oh go to my God, that is the most disgusting Los Angeles thing I've ever heard. Listen, Whatever. Go they're on. All, they're all actors. And so, um, it was <laughs> very first meeting I went to, this was one, this, this person was one of the voices I heard, um, along with that other amazing person I was talking about and consistently mm. shown up with the really killer recovery. And I've always wanted to have her on the show ever since we conceived it. So I'm very excited that she's here. And, Yay. um, her name is Tori. Welcome Tori. Hey, thank you so much. That was a lot of buildup. <laughs> a lot of pressure. Uh, I, I just want to say that I'm not a rock star, just another bozo on the bus, you know, but thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're thank you. To have you. Thank you. Um, well, I've heard you share for years and um, I really felt like a lot of what you've shared is your journey from what sounded like um, difficult areas to live in for self-esteem building to what I hear is an incredible amount of self-developed self-esteem. And so I'm really glad you could join us today and I can't wait to hear what you have to share. Claire will be your timer today. Yeah. How would you like your time, Tori? Thank you so much. Um, let's do eight and two. Great. Eight and two should be perfectly good. And I'll just uh, like motion to you. Perfect. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Do I start now? You start Whenever now, you're ready, ready, and then I'll you. hit it. I mean, take a pause if you need to. Yeah. Just once you start speaking again, though, that's... Then never stop. Don't even breathe. Better get it right. All right. I'm going to breathe in. Breathe out. Hello. My name is Tori. Thank you for having me here today. Um, I, I want to preface my share by saying, you know... I don't speak for Al-Anon. I'm just another bozo on the bus. Like if what I say doesn't resonate with you, that's just cause I'm just one crazy lady amongst many, like our, the program is in the literature. So if you, you know, if you don't relate, if I offend you, don't, don't kick Al-Anon out, just, you know, just ignore me and go about your day and read some literature. Okay. Disclaimer stated, uh, thank you for having me. This is super weird. Um, <laughs> I had to think a lot before saying yes. Um, but, um, you know, I, I'm happy to be of service and I'm grateful for a chance to, you know, spread the message through my own experience, strength and hope. Um, I, you know, I was raised in a family that was profoundly affected by the disease of alcoholism. Um, it's generational. I would guess on both sides though, you know, alcoholism, there's a lot of storytelling. <laughs> there's a lot of BS, uh, you know, but, um, all signs point to a lot of disease. Um, I want to say too, that one of the gifts, when I came into program, you know, I, my thinking was really black and white. And I was like, my family sucks and they're bad and everything is bad. And, you know, I'm brave and honest and they're bad. And one of the gifts of doing the work in this program and, and by doing the work, I mean, getting a sponsor, working the steps is that I now have hopefully a much more reality-based vision of where I come from. And I can say today, there was a lot of love too, you know, there was, there was neglect, there was, you know, there was a lot of trauma. Um, but there was sincere love and a lot of joy and, you know, silliness and music 
musical ability and, you know, a lot of singing and, um, and all of those things can be real. Um, it's interesting thinking about self-esteem. Um, if my share is going to be through the lens of self-esteem, like, what are things that make it hard to have healthy self-esteem, right? Uh, you know, before there was serious alcoholism in my immediate family, um, you know, I feel like the ism of the disease was alive and well, you know, um, only certain feelings were allowed, only certain people could have certain feelings. Um, you know, I, I experienced very violent sexual abuse for a couple years in early childhood, uh, that was, you know, life-threatening and, um, but, you know, with someone outside my family and, uh, and my family, you know, it was like, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Like it was just ignored, you know, and I, through the grace of God, I lived because that person moved away, you know, but, and like, and then when the, when the drinking started, it was also, you know, everything's fine. I grew up in a family where everything was fine all the time, no matter what. Um, and I learned that how I faced the world and how we faced the world and what people thought of us was a million times more important than how I felt inside. Um, and, um, so I learned it's important to look good and sound good. Like I, you know, and even now, like I'm super duper nervous and it, it might not show cause I'm good at that. And that's a great thing in job interviews when dealing with bullies, you know, but it's not a great way to live your life. Um, because I didn't even know how I felt on the inside half the time. Like I learned to just ignore sublimate. Um, and, uh, you know, and that led to, uh, sexually violent boyfriends and loving an alcoholic. Uh, and in my early twenties, I got into Al-Anon, um, I'd been complaining about the alcoholics in my family so much that, and enough people kept saying, you might want to try this thing called Al-Anon. And I thought, well, I'm not wimpy. So, you know, I'm tough. I'm brave. I tell the truth. So I don't need to go whine in a room. Um, and then it turned out, I finally ended up in my first meeting to support a friend. Um, and I was like, oh crap, this is where the brave people are. Like, and they had words for feelings that I didn't have. And I thought I was really smart. Um, and, and they made decisions and choices that I didn't know I had. Um, and I realized like, oh, these are the brave people. Like they're, they're braver than I am. Uh, cause they, they could say what was really going on in their lives and inside of them. And I was like, I want what they have. I want what they have. Um, and, uh, and thus began my journey. Um, I have been in Al-Anon now for half of my life, half of my life. So I'm only half crazy. Um, <laughs> um, and, but real recovery comes through the step work, like time. I don't think time equals recovery in Al-Anon. It's like, do you have a sponsor? Are you, are you doing the steps? I'm now working the traditions. I'm halfway through my seventh tradition. Um, I sponsor people, you know, I take service commitments at meetings because it's important to give back what has been so generously and a hundred percent freely given to me, which is shocking 
you know, in my family, there was always a price tag. Um, and, or I felt like that. Um, and then, and in terms of self-esteem, you know, at, uh, at 34, I got, I finally got married. I felt like he was the love of my life. Um, he had anger, but so did people in my family. And I, you know, to me, anger went along with love. Like, um, I, I had blinders around that, you know? Um, and you know, a couple months after, and then when I moved in with him right before the wedding, things really changed. Um, he wasn't a drinker, but he seemed very unbalanced and it did turn out that he had serious mental illness that wasn't addressed. And we went to couples counseling, which is an outside issue. Um, and it, it helped. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to roll the dice and marry this person. I had 10 years in program at that point. Um, and, uh, and then five months into our, into, I like to call it my brief and terrible marriage. Um, he physically attacked me and like, cause I was thinking about self-esteem today and like, I knew that I deserved Thanks to the work I'd done in Al-Anon, I knew I deserved to live in a house that was safe. And I knew I deserved to be safe in my own body. I'd gotten outside help to deal with the, the sexual abuse in childhood. Um, and, uh, and so I was able to leave after the first time he assaulted me. And I never spent another night under that roof. And, you know... Um, and, you know, and it took forever, but I left him, you know, I got divorced and, uh, two minutes. Okay. Thank you. Um, and, but I want to say like self-esteem and Al-Anon, you know, doesn't just come in big decisions like that. Like that's a really big dramatic example. Um, you know, it also came, you know, the boyfriend I had in my twenties, who I loved and who is, you know, a dear friend of mine today, you know, learning to say to him, you can't live in my apartment. You have to get your own place. Like that was terrifying. And he, he is a kind and gentle guy. Um, you know, there, there, there was nothing threatening, but just saying, you know, or saying, um, you know, you can only spend weekends here. Um, or in, like I learned in Al-Anon, I have to teach people how to treat me. Um, and, and if I don't love myself, I can't expect anyone else to treat me with love and respect or just respect. They don't have to love me. You know, I just, just basic human respect. Um, gosh, I feel like this was terrible. Um, but that, you know, that's what my, that's the, that's the ism in my brain. It's always telling me that. Um, but yeah, self-esteem and and I guess oh, I didn't touch on this at all, but Al-Anon gave me a higher power. Um and like through the step work and I had a positive religious experience growing up. Like I'm the one person I know who was not or one of five people who was not horribly traumatized. Like my house of worship was a place of refuge for me as a kid in co you know, in high school. Like I was like God loves me even if my parents don't right now, you know. Um but in this program, I got to define a higher power for myself. Um, 
and a, and a truly intimate personal higher power. And I, I heard someone in a meeting recently say, God has my picture on her fridge, you know? And like, it's like, if there's a God that loves me that much, like, then it's okay for me to love me, you know? Um, and I, again, I get that through, through working the steps and, you know, we can talk more about what esteemable acts are, but yeah, that's enough out of me. Thanks so much, you guys. Thank you, Tori. That was Thank great. Thank you, Tori. Yay. That was really nice. Um, I think it was a really beautiful overview of your program, which is super important. And then the beauty of it is we now get to break it down a little bit and, and kind of hopefully learn a little bit more about how you pulled it off <laughs> and pull it oh off. My goodness. um well i would love to if you if you're open to it i'd love to hear a little bit about more about your your childhood or growing up or how and it can be in relation to the topic you know was were you taught self-esteem was self-esteem you know removed you know stripped from you over time and what was that like for your learning to love yourself in, in your childhood home you know uh it's interesting i um I'm sure my folks would have a different perspective and they're entitled to their perspective. But, um, I feel like there's a family history in my family of one kid being designated the bad one. Um, and in my family, you know, that was me. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I, I felt singled out a lot and, and a hundred percent, the rules were different for me than it, than they were for my two younger sisters. Mm. Um, like I just, there was a higher standard and also, I mean, and for all of us, there was pressure. I, you know, I'm not saying, Oh, my sisters had everything easy, but like I got the brunt of the rage. Most of the time I was the one who was willing to fight too, but like I, uh, there was a lot of being belittled and there was a lot of like public humiliation for me growing up. Um, so like, I, you know, it's funny, like I, you know, it's a little bit of an outside issue, but like, you know, I'm, I'm white, I'm straight, but I tend to identify with people who are the underdog, you know, because like I was never in the majority in my family, you know, (laughs) I'm like, like, I get it. I, you know, I mean, I get it from, from my perspective. Mm. Um, you know, in my own experience, but I, I know what it's like to be singled out and be, feel like you're less than, you know? So yeah, no, that was, that was really painful. Um, but it was interesting. I also saw myself as the protector of my sisters. I got a lot of self-esteem from that. Um, you know, like caring for them, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. You know, ideally your self-esteem comes from a relationship with a higher power and, Though that was a pretty, you know, I did a lot of esteemable. I protected my sisters from like child molesters when I was nine. Mm -hmm. Like I figured out what was happening. I saw what was going on. And like my parents were able to respond to that and protect my sisters. And like, so, you know, there was esteem from that. And I also want to say, I, you know, I come from a really huge extended family and I had 8 million aunts and uncles and they loved me to pieces you know, and I had grandparents who loved me to pieces and people and half, you know, there was lots of drinking there too. Like nobody was perfect, but like, I knew I was loved, Mm. you know? 
so it was like this weird there was both um yeah yeah that scapegoat thing is interesting i actually haven't heard a lot of people share about it very much but i think it's very common especially in larger families when alcohol is involved i've never really understood but maybe there needs to be like a villain or somebody not that you were a villain but like somebody to push against maybe with the disease I'm, I'm curious like thoughts that anybody either of you have about how that dynamic comes to be because i know it's pretty common but like we have to pick somebody and that person has to be like that's where it all goes maybe it like removes oneself and can make oneself feel better by putting it somewhere else. I don't know. It's interesting. Well, I mean, I think like after I did my ninth step with my mom, things got easier. And there was this one time where she, I, I, I'm so afraid of people I'm related to hearing this. Like I'm afraid to be specific. That's fine. Um, You can keep it vague. But uh, there was this one time after maybe 15 years in program where she actually apologized to me. And I got to see in that moment how much self-loathing she carried. And I just, I think when people hate themselves and feel horrible about themselves, I think it's very hard to love other people. And I think especially if you have children and you see them as an extension of yourself, like... I, you know, I think it can be very easy to be angry at the parts of them that are like you. Mm. So maybe there's some of that. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think my experience really was my, and still can be something that I got to become really aware of was that I think my oldest sister was used as the scapegoat and also just like as that person, like, um, and the, (laughs) And, like, today with recovery, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's because, like, she was the one, like, blowing the whistle. She was the one. Seller. Nobody fucking likes it when somebody's like, hey, you know, I went to therapy a little bit. And what I'm hearing from my therapist is that this isn't okay. You know, (laughs) (laughs) like, like, and that's as an adult, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I think a lot and I'll find myself too. like there was always this phrase of like, oh, well, you know, I don't know. I'm just going to stay anonymous today. But, you know, so I won't use names, but like, oh, well, you you know, your sister like she you know, and it's like, really, though, because I think you're just trying to I mean, that's what we do as Al-Anons that that don't have recovery. Right. And that's what the alcoholic does, too. It's like if I can blame someone else. I am not responsible and therefore I'm not bad because at the end of the day, it all comes back to self-esteem truly didn't even mean to go there. just was there for us, you know, like that. That's just the, I think that's just my truth anyway, in this program is that when I want to blame it on somebody else, it's because I feel so bad about myself, about whatever the thing was. And my self-esteem was already so low and minimal that it like, I couldn't bear the thought of, of someone being upset with me anymore than I like, cause I hated myself so much. Cause there was no self-esteem there. Like I didn't have the ability to be like, Oh, Claire, you fucked this thing up a little bit and that's okay because you're a human being. And so let's just take responsibility and move forward. And you still get to have self-esteem and do that. You still get to love yourself and do that. I didn't have that. I wasn't taught that in my upbringing. And I don't think that my, you know, my family really had that that much either. And so it, from what I 
saw growing up, I think it was really easy to have one person too, because we also don't want to be uh, alone in it. Right. So if, if this one person really fits the bill, so we'll just keep going there because then we can be a unit of people that are not the ones doing it wrong. And then this person can just take that, that burden. So we have some unity over here because nobody really was an individual. It was, there was so much enmeshment. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. But Tori, I loved what you said about, I I also, and was really feeling this today, uh, grew up in a home with so much love. Like so many people adored me, still do adore me. Um, And I was really taught how to love people. I was taught how to love in a way that didn't work. I was also taught how to love in a way that really does work. That's very, very unique. And I don't experience in a lot of places. Um, yeah. So I really related to that. It's, it's, I don't, and I don't hear it all the time in the rooms, you know? And so I've, sometimes I feel kind of like, uh, an, as an outsider in that way, cause I almost don't want to share like my parents encouraged me. <laughs> like I was told I was good. Like <laughs> I was kissed and hugged and, <laughs> you know, like, and loved and taught how to hug and all those things. And <laughs> yeah. Funny, right? Like that's the crazy conundrum of it. Like they do love us, you know, it's just the way that that love gets expressed can be so fakakta sometimes and like ultimately damaging. Like I love the word fakakta. Um, like, Great word. Yeah. You know, it, no. And like, you know, it's sort of like if I have a problem in here and I can point and make, make it someone else, then all deflection comes off of me. And as we learned in Al-Anon, you know, you point the finger three point back at you. That's right. I did not do it as a tiny child, but it is, it's a, you know, my parents saw that I was smart and encouraged me to do well in school. Like, you know, I had musical ability, you know, they encouraged me to play sports and do music. And like, there was an air of like achieve or die to it. Mm -hmm. But like, but also there was this genuine enthusiasm and, you know, I mean, and that's, I feel like that's what we get in doing this work as I recover myself. Like I also get to recover like a more honest or accurate view of the past where like the good is no longer horribly obscured by the bad. And like, you know, in terms of self-esteem, like I get to see that I was loved, you know, and I, it's interesting, actually, there was, um, for a couple years, I, I co-sponsored and, Alateen, but really Alatot meeting. Uh, they were seven to 12. And there was this one girl who we, we had a meeting right around Halloween. And so she, she made a motion that she was like nine. She made a motion that everyone should come in their Halloween costumes for the meeting next week. Great. Motion. And like, as you might imagine, it passed unanimously. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, think, I mean, I'm mad I wasn't in that meeting. That's, and the next, <laughs> It was awesome. I dressed yeah. up too. I wore my organic farmer costume. Um, because <laughs> um, that's because I'm a pain in the ass. Um, and uh, and the next week, all the kids showed up in costumes except for her. She did not wear a costume, and she told us that her mom refused to let her wear her costume to the meeting. And it like broke my heart. Breaks my heart. One left out. And then 
when her mom came to pick her up at the end of the meeting, she looked around at all the kids in costume and she looked so stricken. And I was like, yeah, you know, like we, we had a good time and, you know, you know, we celebrate in Halloween. And she said, I didn't let her wear the costume because I thought none of the other kids would wear them mm. and she would be made fun of. She was trying to protect her. Yeah. And it was like that twisted alcoholic Ugh. attack. Ugh. Heartbreaking. And it just like, it gave me so much uh, clarity on my own childhood. Like there were so many things that my mom did that I perceived as harmful or shaming or humiliating. And it's like, in retrospect, it's like, wow, what if some of those things were not like, what if she was actually trying to help me, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. to me, that is the great tragedy of alcoholism, you know, um, that, that those impulses get flipped around and end up causing harm instead of helping, you know? And like, in terms of self-esteem, like, you know, the humiliations I went through as a kid, like... I, it made me feel smaller and smaller and smaller, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Which wasn't the intention, yeah. which is interesting because we get to sort of revisit the intentions and, and with this program, you know, show love towards, towards that. I'm wondering like, if there a pivotal moment for you, obviously you talked about your divorce and, and the moment with your, um, leaving your, your partner, but were there other pivotal moments for you in program where you kind of feel like you learned some of the secret sauce of what, gives one self-esteem or gives you self-esteem? Well, you know, it's interesting. Like my first month in Al-Anon, which was in San Francisco, um, the thing that made me come back, there were two things that made me come back after my first meeting. Um, the first was hearing people share, as I mentioned earlier, like, oh my goodness, they have solutions that never occurred to me and they can name things that I can't even name. Um, Mm-hmm. And then the, but the, the other thing was the 10th step when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. I, I saw that or heard that at my first meeting and like my, a piece of my brain exploded, <laughs> like no one in my family ever took moments. responsibility, <laughs> right? <laughs> like they never said they were, no one admitted to anything. Cause if you did, then wh- wherever the soft spot you exposed, you know, that's where the knife goes. Right. Um, and like a month into program, I, uh, <laughs> I, I was at a coffee shop and the coffee was way too expensive in my not humble opinion. <laughs> and when I got to the counter, I gave the woman at the counter a tough time and was like, why is this so expensive? This isn't good coffee. You shouldn't be charging this much. <laughs> and like, she was not a native English speaker. Like she was clearly not the person who made the prices, you know, um, I was, I was like a jerk and like, and it was, you know, I felt bad that I didn't have more money and, you know, Mm. and that I'd made a bad choice of a place to buy coffee. And I took it out on this woman and I left and I turned to my boyfriend at the time and I was like, was I just an asshole? And he was like, pretty much. And like, I walked away and I thought about it. And a couple of days later I went back and I ordered another cup of coffee And this was, I just, I'd read that when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. And, um, and I, this woman was still working and I was like, listen, 
And I said, you know, other people in line, it was crowded. Everybody heard. I felt humiliated, but it was wrong. And I wanted to promptly admit it. And I was like, you know, I was really rude to you when I was here a couple days ago. I said, uh, I know you don't make the prices and it's not your fault. And I shouldn't have said it. And I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry. And she said, I don't remember you. And like her face turned bright red. And I was like, really? You don't? I was really rude. And she was like, I don't remember you. And I was like, okay. And I didn't know what to do. And I was like, well, okay, I'm sorry. And like, I went and paid for my, I tried to pay for my coffee. And she said, you don't pay. You don't pay. Mm. And I was like, she did remember me. Like, and you know, and I walked out of there and I felt the shame dissipate. Like I felt the shame, like I knew I'd done my best to make it right. And like in that moment, I didn't hate myself quite so much. And that was because of Al-Anon. And like, we, we are supposed to work the steps in order, but like that gave me like a, a taste of freedom. And like, you know, that was an esteemable act. Like that was in us to go back and be like, I was a jerk. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I shouldn't have said what I said. I know it's not your fault. Like, you know, I apologize. Later, I had a sponsor who said, no, no, we say I was wrong. She said, Al-Anon say, I'm sorry all the time. Like you mm. say, I was wrong. And it's true that I don't like saying that. <laughs> I'm saying that way more than saying I'm sorry. Um, and now that's part of every amends I make, but yeah, that was an esteemable act. And like that kept me coming back. I was like, these people know stuff, you know? And it, I was like, Oh my God, there's a way out of the shame. Like who knew? Yeah. That's so beautiful. I, I think that freedom, I mean, shame and self-esteem, right. Are so interlinked. And I mean, that sort of, to me, I feel like I had a lot of self-esteem, but it was really a lot of ego. And I felt like I was a pretty like empowered, esteemed person, but actually it was more, more my ego and there was still a lot of shame linked to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that freedom from shame is so powerful. And, um, I guess maybe so obvious maybe to other people, I don't know, <laughs> but it seemed like it was a mind blowing concept to me. The other one was sort of just being able to say no, right. To being able to say no to people. Oh. I heard your, um, I heard a lot of what you were saying with your sisters and your partners and. Uh, I, the, what I wrote down was self-esteem felt like giving yourself away, you know, like giving, mm. giving away yourself. Mm. Yeah, some, at least that was maybe what I heard because that was my experience, but you know, that caretaking and stuff feels before recovery, like self-esteem. Oh, I've given up everything for this person. So I must be a good person, but they're not really the oh, same yeah, martyrdom. Thing. Yeah. It's not the same thing. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting of learning that nuance. And I'm curious, you know, what that journey looked like for you and, and, you know, how you kind of came to terms with that with some of your relationships. That's really interesting. You, you make a really good point. Like, and it's, you know, like caring for my sisters, I did feel good about that, but there's a line, right? There's a line between being caring, giving from the overflow and, uh, and well, let me take it out of childhood. Cause I didn't have choices sure. as a kid. Like mm -hmm. if I didn't, mm -hmm. we weren't going to eat. So it's like, yeah. You know, it's yeah. different. But as an adult with choices, um, you know, yeah, like it's a fine line between caring and, you know, 
mothering or now you owe me in the mm-hmm. secret contract in the head, you know, um, Oh, sorry. My brain just do a blank, drew a blank. Um, but, uh, <laughs> that happens sometimes. Totally. Um, totally. <laughs> but it is, it's like caring is great and I can get self-esteem from that. But when it verges over into controlling or am I doing it to distract from how I'm feeling? Like, you know, um, or am I doing it to get something out of somebody, you know, or to make them like me? Like, then it's manipulation, you know, then we verge it, we can verge into martyrdom, um, you know, and then it no longer helps. And, um, yeah, the, the power of saying no is profound. Like I still remember where I was sitting in a meeting and I had three and a half years in Al-Anon when this woman shared, uh, we don't do for others what they can do for themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nearly fell out of my chair <laughs> and I'm sure people had said before that but I was like what like you're kidding me I like, thought that's that, what love was yeah I was like she is a witch like it was really like, <laughs> like it sort of blew my mind like yeah. and like you know and we don't do things until asked like you know and and I I had a boyfriend, that boyfriend at that time, um, he, he worked in PR and he said, you know who the number one client has to be? And I was like, cause I also, I worked in PR then too. Um, and he was like, you, and I was like, what? He's like, you have to be your number one client. Yeah. And I realized like with the work I was doing in program at that point, I was like, I am never my number one client in my life or professionally. Like, and like, I was so jealous of alcoholics, right? Because they seem to figure out how to get people to do stuff for them and take the blame and pay for pay the bill. And I was like, where's my Al-Anon? Where's my person who's going to lie for me and do shit for me that I don't feel like doing? Damn it. And like, I have to be my, I have to do it for myself. You know, like, cause no one's going to do, I haven't figured out how to make someone else do it for me. Like, you know, so it's like, it is my job. And at first that seemed so selfish to me, like so selfish, but then, you know, all the healthy people I knew did put themselves first Mm -hmm. and there was a way to do it without being a narcissist, without being greedy. You know, I, I got called selfish all the time as a kid. I was so afraid of saying what I wanted or needed that Mm -hmm. I thought that was part of being selfish, Mm -hmm. but it turns out that's healthy behavior. Like that's normal. That's, that's how you get your needs met. Who knew? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I really, really hear that. And it's so interesting because like, I think I'm, I am the type of, of Al-Anon, if you will, that, for so long like would just do the things and would also just do the things because you know nobody was going to do it quote unquote right anyway uh or how i wanted it done anyway so i'll just do all of it and then at least you know it'll be done and done right and then i can say that i did it all you know it's so interesting because like my brain didn't even know it wanted that but there was a part of wanting to have that power like with the alcohol dynamic right and uh and so i think that's like again like the extreme you know our our 
defects or other people call them different things. I call them character defects. My character defects are just, I've been taught are my assets that have gone to the extreme because like, this is a program of, you know, extremeness, chaos and, and distorted thinking and, um, or rather a program to treat that, uh, and the black and white thinking of alcoholism, which is like all or nothing. And like saying no, the first time I, I had, I remember the first time I heard that say no, and it was a really similar experience, Tori. And I was like, Somebody in a meeting came to ask me at the beginning of the meeting if I could read the do's and don'ts. And so, and they were like, can, I don't know, I maybe, maybe I'd been in a, in a, for a year. And they were like, can you, could you read the do's and don'ts tonight? And I was like, oh, well, I'm really tired. Like I just started to like jade about it. And I was just like, I was like, I'm so, I don't know. And he was just like, I'm going to help you here. Knows a complete sentence. <laughs> and I was like, that's awesome. And I still think knows a complete, like oh, be like, it, my partner will ask me, you know, if I can do something. And in my brain, I just hear this person's voice. Knows a complete sentence. Knows a complete sentence. Knows a complete sentence. <laughs> so I just like, mm-hmm. it blew my mind. And I was like, no. And he was like, cool. <laughs> And then, like, moved on. <laughs> like, forever grateful for that. Um, it's hard to know, I think, for me sometimes, just because of my upbringing and also, like, I was taught by the people in my family that, like, you, if you love someone, you do things for them. Like, if you love someone, you you get them a glass of water when you go get yourself a glass of water, like, whether they've asked for it or not. Like, this is what hospitality looks like. Like, this is what this looks like. And sharing thing is caring. And also, like, it's more fun when we eat, have it together. And it's just like, no, this is that semeshment. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I don't always know. I, to this day, I don't always know. I really get to pause and think and be like, is this person asking me something that they can do for themselves? Cause maybe they, do I want to do it? Even if they couldn't do it for themselves, do I want to do it? Because I don't have to question, right? Like, even if they can, if you feel like doing it and you can do it for fun and for free, it's like, yeah, do it, you know, sure. Why not? You know, it, but it is, it's like, are you doing it out of guilt and obligation? You know, like, yeah. 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 I, What's the motivation behind it? That's what my, my sponsors always love you. If you're listening, um, up my ass about just like, <laughs> you know, no, I love him so much, but that's the question that comes up pretty much every time we talk. What's your motivation? Like, he's just so, uh, to the point, which I really appreciate. Cause I, at that point I've gotten through like a couple other outreach calls before I've like worked my way to call him anyway. And so <laughs> that's always going. the best strategy is call your sponsor laugh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, fuck yourself, Corey. Sorry. I, <clears throat> I had a little cough attack there. Um, uh, well, I know you always call your sponsor first. So yeah. Anyways. So, um, <laughs> but so yeah, it's just like that. What is your motivation? What's your motivation? What's your motivation? What is it? I find myself asking that a lot today in everything I do, which is really helpful. And sometimes I, I'm like, oh, this is 10th step territory because my motivation was kind of shitty. It was kind of stinky. 
Well, we're going to take a pause here and read the passage. Uh, we do a reading Great. every week. Usually Claire reads it, but she wasn't, they weren't prepared today. And that's um, right. They were not prepared. They were not prepared. So um, they, sh- they should feel <laughs> Which shame. Is... They should feel shame about oh, everything. Right. Yeah. I'm going to think about that and decide if it's appropriate for me to feel ashamed about this particular situation. I really like to practice my program in program as often as possible. I find it to be the safest place to do so. So I think I'm going to let myself off the hook and you know, it's not my business what other people think of me. So Corey, you think whatever you'd like. I'm so glad that I could help you with your program today. And uh, a lot of shade coming in. Oh my God. No, wow. no, see, Tori, I, I, I read that passage soon. I oh, help boy. Claire. I help Claire with her program. Are we helping? What's helping? Oh man, I stumbled into the wrong podcast. Uh oh, uh oh. No, this I'm is the so, part of the show where we make our guest as uncomfortable as, uncomfortable as possible. The reason, the reason why Claire and I <laughs> love each other, the reason, myself. the reason why Claire and I love each other so much is because they let me have sarcasm be a part of our relationship, but not in an unhealthy way. I think we do it in a very healthy way. But yes, if you're listening at home, it sounds really fucked up. So Corey's one of the few people, and then I'll swear to God, I'll let you read. Corey keeps, I can see Corey, even though no one else can no. read. Well, Tori can. And like Corey keeps tri- like holding up the ODAT setting the ODAT down, holding up the ODAT to read, setting the ODAT down. But I mean, I think it's important to say and emphasize, you know, on on air uh, here that it's true. It is one of the reasons, uh, one of the things I love about my relationship with Corey so much is that I do have a deep, deep need to fulfill sarcastic conversation. <laughs> and um and I really, I don't ever, I'm not ever worried about going too far with Corey, which is really amazing. Um, you know, and that's a part of our, yeah, it's almost, it's like a really salty hug, you know, it's like when you get into the ocean and you're like, mm, that burnt my eyes, but I know it's good for my skin. It's like that. It's probably for another time, but you know, growing up, it's interesting that you say that because growing up is such sarcasm is such a big part of our lives. And it's usually for, sure. in my experience has been often very destructive, but I like that some of it gets to be alive in a really playful, healthy way. Anyway, enough about that, Tori. Sorry. Okay. So I'm going to read this passage. Finally, I'm going to read this passage from one day at a time um, from May 13th. It's on page 134, which I felt had something I felt was the most interesting about self-esteem. It says, what finally impels the spouse of an alcoholic to look for help in Al-Anon? One large factor is the need for reassurance to know that we're not responsible for the alcoholics drinking. We know we are being quote, torn down usually by the drinker's own guilt and self-reproach. This has left us without a shred of self-esteem. We come in as nobodies and we desperately want to be somebody. It isn't that we're looking for approval and praise from others, but that we want the inner self-conscious confidence that we are adequate and worthy of respect. We need to learn that we have rights as individuals, no matter how grim the home situation may be. Today's reminder, the restoration of self-esteem is one of Al-Anon's prime functions. It doesn't encourage a big ego view of ourselves, but in helping us to see ourselves as we really are, we learn to sort out our good qualities 
and on that foundation to build stronger, better personalities. And the quote is, I'm grateful for what Al-Anon is doing for me. I am relieved to know that I can have a better picture of myself than I came in with and that I must respect and like myself as a person before I can begin to grow. So I really loved that one. I I mean, literally it says, uh, where does it say? Sorry, I just lost this. The the restoration of self-esteem is one of Al-Anon's prime functions. I mean, it couldn't be any fucking clearer than that. And I'd never really noticed that before that sentence. Um, because, you know, one of our, one of our gifts, right. in in the, in our book is, you know, self-love and so forth. And, and, um, you will develop feelings of self-love and self-worth, but I hadn't heard that stated that clear. I've never heard the word prime function in any Alan on literature personally. <laughs> so I don't know. That really resonated with me. I don't know what you guys thought. But they're right. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, I feel like one of, one of the big lessons of alcoholism is the abandonment of self, yes. you know, yeah, all yeah. themselves for the alcohol or the drugs. And we abandon ourselves for what we perceive as their needs. Yeah. And like that, and it's like, it's very hard to have any sort of healthy self-esteem. When you are constantly abandoning yourself again and again and again. And I, I feel like that's sort of what we've been talking around this whole time. Like, um, you know, And I really believed, you know, I'll speak for myself. I believe that that's what I had to do to get love. Like I did not understand that I was worthy of love and dignity and respect as that reading said, just for existing, just for being a child of God, whatever God is for you. Like, you know, I thought that I had to tap dance and bring you things unasked for and, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. you know, that maybe didn't align with my values, even, you know, just to get that love. And like, when you did, I always think of, I think of alcoholism as like, like, there are many grades of sandpaper. um, And there are also machetes and knives. And I feel like alcoholism long term is like fine grade sandpaper on the soul. It just slowly, slowly, like, takes it away. And it looks like nothing in the moment. Yeah, I wanted to do this tonight, but they're drunk. So I'll just stay home. Like, you know, as a one time, no big deal. But it's that fine sandpapering over time, like you can put up, you know, I have this wooden cabinet, I can put a hole in that. If I do enough sandpapering over time, and that's what abandoning myself is. And that's what I did again, and again, and again, in attempts to get my needs met. And it was shocking to me when I found out, you know, that no is a complete sentence. I can put my needs first and that that isn't selfish, actually. That's healthy. That's self-care. You know, when we like doing the step work and like feeling the love in the rooms and hearing the wisdom of other folks, like, you know, I learned to stop abandoning myself one tiny decision at a time. Like... And like, you know, in my share, I talked about like the big dramatic thing, but really that the ability for me to make that decision was the sum of a million tiny decisions, you know? Yeah. 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 It's like, like, no, I'm done. Thanks. You know? 
Yeah. That brings up a question for me that came up earlier, but I think is it's such a lovely time for it, which is like, I'd love to know from either of you. Um, I'm really more interested in Tori, you know, as we know, I care very little about Corey. Um, so you're saying I'm worthless. Got it. One tier. Just That's tier right. Tr- and I, I don't know what to tell you about your self-esteem. If you don't, if this is affecting it, I'm not responsible. That's your feelings. You're responsible for your own feelings, Corey, which aren't always facts. I'm making a really sad face right now, but no one can see it. Tori has gone to her safe place. You've done it again. (laughs) Tori's praying and and meditating with prayer hands. It's so beautiful. And there's this like angelic light hitting the back of her head and kissing her shoulders. And she's just like, she's just like, I'm holding space. I'm creating love and serenity. (laughs) Claire and I are just going to do a few more minutes of couples counseling and then we'll get right back to you. I, we should put in, Joe, you should put in some music here that's just like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> like that, that maybe, like, elevated. Maybe a number for a therapist. <laughs> exactly. We'll be right back. Surely. They're going to resolve this. <laughs> we have no sponsors, so it, we can't, it can't be after a short message from our sponsors. But, oh, but we have, anyways, the sponsor jokes, they always come up. So, Tori and yes. Corey. This is my question. What? It's a two-parter. Was, uh, how did you start to learn to, uh, I guess, um, if you did, uh, to differentiate between what was now doing something for yourself that was about self-esteem building, about saying no when you mean no, about doing things for fun for free, about creating loving boundaries versus the ego that Corey was talking about earlier and showing up maybe uh, in an egoic way or with a a different kind of motivation other than for like self-love and self-care, right? And then if, if you remember when that started to happen, I know for me, nothing's ever like a time. It's just like, oh, then I started to do things differently and it really started to happen slowly. What kind of tools from program do you use to help you decide whether or not the decision is, what, like what the motivation is behind that decision being either like self, um, you know, self uh, love and self care or selfishness or, or, or self-centeredness? Um or whatever other words work better. Does this question make sense? It was really long. It's like a long question. <laughs> I think um, often for me, an indicator of like, what is the healthier decision to make in the moment? Like what is the like self-care versus like sort of serving the ego decision? Um, a lot of the time it comes down to which one makes me want to vomit. Like, <laughs> like standing up for myself, doing it differently makes me feel a little ill. Like it makes mm. my stomach clench up, like, you know, doing the thing that I've always done feels pretty good in the moment, maybe not afterwards, but like in the moment, like, yeah, you know, get into another argument or, you know, mm. 
sneaky thing to get what I want, like that is like slipping into a warm bath a lot of the time. I know how mm-hmm. that works, you know, mm-hmm. but the, the saying, actually, I can't do that. Or if that's too scary, let me get back to you. Mm-hmm. I have to check. Let me get back to you. Thanks for asking. Um, you know, that makes me want to throw up a little in my mouth. Like, and, you know, <laughs> so that, like in the moment, if I'm faced with deer in the headlights moment where I have to give an answer, like, that's a good way to, can I take a breath in? Can I think like, which is the scarier thing to say? I also, um, in outside help once, uh, I was asked, you know, at, at what age did you really know how you felt about things? And I was like, third grade, third <sighs> grade toy. I knew, I knew I had my mojo like, and usually if I can ask third grade Tori, like, do we want to do this? She's like, no. And I'm like, whoa, it's so clear. It's like, yeah. damn it. Like, and then, you know, it's grown up me's job to be like, you know, I can be gracious and diplomatic and, you know, oh, thank you so much, but that's not going to work right now. You know, maybe another time, like, um, if I have the luxury of time, I like, I need help. Like it takes a village for me to get through the day. So like reasoning things out with people I trust in program, um, you know, my sponsor, outside help, um, wise friends, like anything that is me not inside my own brain is usually pretty good. Mm. That was my long answer. Great. I loved it. Thanks. I, yeah, I think mine is kind of the opposite. I mean, maybe it's the opposite. I guess it's, I think, I think if I want to, don't laugh Did at I me. get it wrong? No, 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 no. I'm saying, I was thinking as you were talking, I'm like, oh, I actually think the thing that I don't want to do that I shouldn't do often makes me feel really uncomfortable. And the thing, like when I really, I'm like, do I really want to do it? What do I want to do? This is what I want to do. I mean, except for like laying in bed and watching TV, which of course sounds lovely all the time and isn't always a good decision. But, um, it's a pandemic. Yeah. A lot of it is like, oh, no, I really don't want to do that, but I think I should do that. I have a lot of should. And when I feel like there's a should, it usually mm. doesn't feel as comfortable as the thing I want to do. And so the thing I want to do is probably what I should do, actually. Um, and that's usually when it's taking care of someone else or doing something for someone else. It usually makes me feel very exhausted, just even in the moment of it. Mm. Like, oh, that's tiring. That sounds really tiring. But Um, and so what I really try to do now, what I think is harder for me is like, what's being of service because it's very easy for me to just not do any of the things and only do what's best for me, but that's not really how we live either. So if somebody wants me to help them move, well, as Claire knows, I can't do that because that's of my, of my Achilles heel. like bring this up as an example. I don't know why I'm moving. Okay. Let me come up with another example. If someone wants me to help them, like, um, I don't know. What is some, what do people Getting need? Drywall. Putting up drywall. Oh, yeah. I, first of all, I would be really bad at it, but I don't know that I, I definitely <laughs> wouldn't want to do it, but I might say yes, because it would be of service to mm. them. Um, but if somebody wants me to, or expects me to clean up after them or something like that, it's very interesting. The thing about the water you were saying, like I bring my partner, things like that all the time, because mm. to me, that's an act of love. And I don't do it from, but I, but to your point, I don't do it from an obligated place. I'm like, I'm getting water. I have to get my partner water. It's like, wouldn't it be nice if he got a glass of water and I could pop in the office and 
surprise him with that. Mm. I'm making myself a smoothie to make him some smoothie. And I'm like, if he doesn't want it, I'll just drink it. It's not really that big of a deal. Um, so I find there's, I think it's usually when mm. I don't, I don't want to do something. It feels very uncomfortable these days. And then I have to decide, okay, in that uncomfortability, is it a, to your point, something I should, I could do for my self-help, like get up and take a walk sometimes, or is it something one should do, one would do, or I would like to do because it is an esteemable act to go help someone put up their drywall or like plant a garden or like an elderly neighbor needs something or what have you. It doesn't sound fun. Or you, I get a lot of it. Like we have these neighbor, we have this neighbor in Portland who just wants to talk endlessly about stories mm. and it's hard to get away from him, but he's lonely and lives alone. And so I give him about 10, 15 minutes Aww. and then I figure a way to get out. Cause I got to protect myself. But I also feel like he kind of, you know, it's of service to hear his war story or whatever crazy lunatic thing he wants to say to me. It's of service for a while to a point. And then it's, and then it crosses over after about 10 minutes I'm actually miserable and I'm actually doing something that I don't want to do, which isn't for my best interest. So those are the gray areas that I'm trying to explore as I get deeper into my program. But early on, it was really just about saying no to almost everything that I didn't want to do yeah. all the time. And I think that's a really yeah. helpful stage because I, I couldn't determine the difference. And by going almost to the other extreme and being really, really just I empowering, I had this couple of years, I was like, you mean I can do whatever I want? I can spend all my money on me. I can have a trainer. I can go, you know, instead of buying my partner a trainer, I can have, you know, like everything had to go to the other person, but I just did it all for me. If I wanted something, I did it. And I spent money on myself and I did whatever I wanted. Like I got a new apartment and I, everything was gray. Cause my partner, my old partner wouldn't let me have anything gray. The furniture couldn't be gray. So the couch was gray and the bed was gray. Everything. Was, I love gray. Like that was, that extreme was really important to me to then kind of pull back and say, okay, what is actually sharing again? What is being of service again? What are all those things again? Cause I had never just prioritized myself like that. I think that's so beautiful. And like that, like it makes sense, right? Because if the pendulum has been one way our whole lives and then someone is like, you can say no. <laughs> I think it makes sense that we're like, well, then screw it. I'm never doing like, it. Fuck you. No. <laughs> totally. Enough is enough. Like, and I actually feel like that's normal. And like, you know, we try to do it in a kind way, but yeah. like, you know, you can detach with love, but sometimes you got to detach with an ex. And if that's the best you can do, eh, you know, we're all doing our best. But like, it is, I like the longer I'm in program and the more work I do in this program, I'm, I'm in tradition seven now. And like, I really have come to see that mm. the ecstasy is in the subtlety mm-hmm. and like that situation that you described with your neighbor, like that's such a beautiful example of recovery to me. Like you're like, I can be of service. And I have this with my mom too on the phone. Like I can be of service. I can listen. I can, you know, and then at the point where it starts to hit overwhelm, like self-esteem is knowing I'm allowed to leave. Like it's okay for me to leave, you know, and to say, I got to go do something. What a pleasure to talk to you. It's so nice to see your face. I got to go, you know, have a great day. And like, that is, and I feel like that for me is what God's love looks like, you know, because we're not supposed to be martyrs. We're, you know, we're, it's not about sacrifice. It's about giving from the overflow. And when that runs out, we don't have to give anymore, but like what a gift you are to your neighbor. Like that's a gift. That's a, you know, 
that's beautiful. Well, that to me that. sounds like, a, unless Claire, you have something else, sounds like a good time to to wrap her up. I, <laughs> Corey, I love this. Is, Corey's always like, and the show's over. No. Well, I have to, you know, I someone like has that. to be the referee. But no, I mean, I just was like, you know, I'm editing in my mind. I'm no, like, self, self-esteem means you're allowed to leave. Like, knowing you're allowed to leave yeah. is such a wonderful closure yeah. to, uh, to leave. You ready I mean, to go? Are you ready to go? No, but like, can you think of a better way to end than self-esteem? I mean, like, like Tori should drop a mic and just walk out of the room. And then walk out. Just, it's just no video feed. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Tori cut her video. It was perfectly cute and without even a rehearsal. Um, Yeah, no, I'm with you, Corey. It does, it does feel like a good time to wrap. I I just wanted to say maybe um, had another few thoughts. happy to be of service i think i love bringing up tradition seven regarding this tori um you know because every group ought to be fully self-supported declining outside contributions and for a long time because you know that's when the seventh tradition basket goes around and things like that in meetings i really associated that with the financial thing which it is and also like what i've come to understand too and what i've uh you know learned through through working the steps and um and the traditions and inf- informally working the traditions but that that doesn't just mean money right like it's not about just money like it's, it's self-support is not just a financial thing and like i also am in in myself is my own group I as an individual in my own in my own entity in my own thing to be self-supporting around and that has to do with getting enough sleep getting an, getting being fed you know t- taking care of my body taking care of my mind taking care of my spirit and um and I need to be self-supporting in that, like, like truly. And that brings up like, I don't, you know, i also don't ex- try not to accept from others things that I can do for myself um, because I can, because that's what I was taught that that's how you, that's what love looks like um, is doing things for others, even though they can do it for themselves. Like I can slip into doing, being that person that's actually receiving the thing that I could go do for myself, whatever that thing is. Um, and I just, I really heard from, from both of you, like I, I see both perspectives of like, sometimes I can be in the place of like, well, this feels really comfortable because it's so familiar and this will probably be me repeating the pattern that doesn't work for me. And that like, doesn't, you know, that isn't of service as Corey said, you know, and, um, and like checking that motivation again and like really being like, is it for fun for free? Uh, you know, am I, am I trying to get something out of it? And, and more often than not, the thing that feels more calming and grounded for me is the thing that is going to continue to build my self-esteem. But yeah, it's not, it's usually the, it can be, depending on what it is, the most difficult thing in the moment. And it's just, I love hearing the different perspectives because I think that again is like program, right? It's like we all have a shared experience that is that we relate to what the effects of alcoholism are on us. Um, and we also all have such individual experiences so that like 
how we address our program. Like it gets to be so unique and specific and individual for each person. And I think that's something that I love so much about this podcast too, is that kind of get a dive deeper in like a fellowship way to really see the nuances of like why it is different for other people. And, um, and that just really helps me be compassionate and loving towards other people in my life outside of program, right. Where I would maybe not be so nice and to protect myself or something. Um, and it builds, great esteem for me when I get to show up with like God's ease, balance and grace and be really loving and considerate and, um, honor myself, but like in a loving kind way without damage. Cause for a period of time, I didn't know how to honor myself kind of without sometimes damaging other people, too, which was the no, 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 no phase, the, the terrible twos phase of program. It was just like, no. Um, yeah. So what a great topic. Yeah, I've learned a lot today. I really, really appreciate you joining us, Tori, and for being in the rooms and being of service. I, you're also of service a lot. I see in, mm-hmm. in meetings and mm-hmm. I really, that's really yes. important and it's appreciated. Thank you. I feel like I see a lot of old timers who don't take service commitments much yeah. anymore. And yeah. I'm like, I'm still, I'm just another bozo on the bus. And like, I learned so much from taking service commitments, you know? Um, and I, it, it, feel free to cut anything I say at any point in this thing, but get, can I share <laughs> A little thing on the seven step two or seven no, tradition. We can Sorry. go as long as we want. I don't know who's still listening, but hopefully Literally, if you stayed for the, the nuggets. People get to take care of themselves. They can pause <laughs> it. They can come back. They can, like, you know, they don't have to finish. It's really, no, they no. don't have, they can do whatever they want. So I'd love to hear what yeah. you have to share. Well, it's really interesting hearing you talk about it too, because like when I first heard the seven tradition and people said, oh yeah, well, you know. We, I apply the traditions to my own life too. I took that to me fully self-supporting. I am an island. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. Toddlers and terror, you know, I do it myself. Like, and like, and it's interesting, like, you know, I witnessed romantic relationships growing up where two people, it's just them in a tiny, tiny circle together and every they have to meet each other's needs or else everything is ruined and like it's been really interesting for me like i live with a loving partner now it's a it's a miracle and a gift of you know i mean doing this work doesn't mean you get a fancy place to live or the best job or the kids you want or you know or the partner that you want but i have a a loving partnership today and like, even in this pandemic where we're trapped in the house together for over a year and I'm a stepmom now, like God help us all. Um, you know, but like, I know like in terms of being fully self-supporting, I know that my partner is not everything, even though it's just the two of us and, and, and stepkids in a house, like I know it takes a village and like, I have friends, I have sponsors, I have outside help. Um, you know, no one person is responsible for meeting my emotional needs, you know? Um, 
that comes from a higher power. And then the people, the, the tapestry of people in my life that I get to weave together. This is a terrible metaphor, um, you know, to like help support me or the safety net, you know, like, and it's being fully self-supporting. It means letting people in, you know, it means, you know, asking for help, you know, and from a, for me, it's, it's from a variety of sources, you know, cause different people have different strengths and like, you know, it, it's not, this was, it was a huge thing for me to learn in program and like, and you know, to bring it back to self-esteem, like trying to make your partner be your everything mm. means you give them your higher power, you know, and their feelings and reactions are what equals your sense of happiness or well-being that day. And like, I, it's nice, like, you know, it, it's not just me being a hostage in a room or taking a hostage anymore. You know, it's like, it is a village. I get to be part of my village, you know, and like, it's okay to accept help too. You know, I don't have to just be the giver. I'm going to stop talking. I feel like you guys are really putting up with a lot right now. No, I'm, I'm taking it <laughs> no, all in. No, it's a, it's a, I just keep wanting to say, I'm just like, yes, it's a wee program. It's a wee program. It's a wee program. And like, it is a wee program. I mean, that's at the very top of my list of things. If in any, like at the beginning of the day to remind myself and at any point in the day where start stuff gets like a little wonky, maybe it's like, let it begin with me. It's a wee program. Like, <laughs> you know, first things first, easy does it motherfucker that I added the motherfucker part for me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just not in the literature it. in case you're, and it's you're not, looking it's it up just, now. It, yeah. It's just easy. Does it, but yeah. And you know, also like there's a reason that we have multiple service commitments because again, like it is a, we program. And I think that teaches us that like, so it's so divinely curated, right? Like you said at the very beginning, Tori, it's all in the literature and it really is. And I think a part of that literature is also like what's suggested for structure, our, our service manuals, you know, like it really, I've never, ever, ever, ever been at a loss uh, after seeking guidance through the literature of this program and, and the structure of this program. Um, it's just really so phenomenal. It's like, cause as Elanon's too, we could all do all of it probably, you know, it's like, no, no, I'll take the, I'll be the secretary. I'll be the treasurer. I'll do the coffee. I'll get here. I'll set everything up. Uh, I also am doing fellowship down the street, <laughs> just like, you know, to be like, I love doing a Coke commitment. I love it. Ah, I love a, a shared commitment because it's just like, I, I, yeah, I don't even have to do the phone list by myself, which I think is one of the easiest ones, you know, or the timer. Like, ah, sometimes I'm timing, sometimes somebody else is timing. It's like, but we're all still self-supporting, you know, which is like, yeah. So I loved everything you said. It was all. All, all yummy. Well, all right, I guess, Corey. Do I have permission to wrap it now? It's time. It's definitely it's time. time now. Um, <laughs> we're going to have the after pod that you can get into, which is another three hours. And then there's the after after pod, which is a 10 hour. It's a 10 hour um, ring. ring it's like a ring cycle of 
Did you tell Tori this before we started? Yeah, it's another 13 hours, Tori, of um, of time. (laughs) I can always. We know you don't have anything to do. (laughs) We're gonna we're gonna do a ring cycle. I'm gonna go run around. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you so much, Tori. Uh, You gave us so much to think about, and I hope uh, everyone listening got something wonderful out of it. And if you didn't, you know, listen to some more of our podcasts. Go to meetings. Find other podcasts. Uh, it's out there. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, the solution is out there. And and what yeah. should they do, Claire? Well, wait, should are they... you going to plug all of our stuff or no, no, no. What should the they, last what, thing we always what sh- say, what should they do at the end of a meeting? What if they, should they keep? Sure. They should keep, keep coming, coming back. back. Yes. It works. You work it and you're worth it. You're worth it. You're you are worth it. You're all worth check it. Out our in- check out our Instagram. Check out. That's it. We just have an Instagram, but it's Instagram. pretty good. Corey runs it. So all the pressure's on Corey now. It's pretty, it's pretty but killer. I, and I then, uh, yeah. Thank you so much uh, to everyone who helped us today. This podcast is produced by Claire and Corey. Original music by Austin Bunn. Original crosstalk logo by Jonathan Grant. Special thanks to our awesome editor, Joe. And thanks to all of our listeners. Keep coming back. Thank you.